Hey, welcome back to the Infamous Podcast. This is Brian. This is Daryl. And this is episode 303. And I have yet to come up with the title for it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so when you guys download this, you'll you'll know the title. Um, <laughs> it'll it, I, I guarantee it'll be something that I think is witty. Like what if T'Challa was a Gary Stew? <laughs> is that is that a thing? A Gary Stew? No, you still call yeah, that's them, what I you was still asking. call them Mary Sues. Like even if it's a guy. Yeah. So, I like Gary Stu. I do like Gary Stu. That's pretty funny. <laughs> so, um, by the way, the kid told me she saw Soups and Lolo as a hashtag. As a what? As a hashtag on Pinterest. Oh. We made it happen. There we go. You're welcome, Internet. <laughs> All right. Just doing our jobs. I know. So uh, this week we've got some DC Comics comic book news. We're going to talk about Nightwing 83, or at very least the first two-thirds of the book. Um, we have What If, Episode 2, um, Gary Sue Boogaloo. We're going to talk about the season premiere of Heels and the season finale of Soups and Lolo. But, Daryl, before we get into it, did you know that Denny Villanueva is supporting Scarlett Johansson for suing Disney? Yes, I saw that. So uh, I meant to tell you that earlier. And then he when I saw it. did you read the article? Yes. So he says in all of his contracts going forward, he's gonna have the stipulation that his movies have to be released theatrically. Yeah, that's gonna be interesting. Yeah, it's like, okay, um, dude, you're not some big box office draw yet. I know you're hoping Dune will be, and trust me. There's very few people on the planet who are more excited for a Dune movie than I am. True story. But it's a niche, man. I mean, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm realistic about this. Like, it, I don't know. I, I don't, I like, he, like, he's taking a huge gamble running his mouth constantly about all of this. But uh, you're right. But somebody has to say stuff like this. And sometimes you have to take chances. I mean, I know Christopher Nolan is very adamant about doing stuff like that as well. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah, Nolan's a much bigger name. Nolan comes with than, a different cachet, right? He's He's got yeah. he's got a billion-dollar movie under his belt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, even though I'm not a huge Nolan fan, like, I, there's Nolan movies I love. Don't get me wrong. But, like, as a whole, I'm not a huge Nolan fan. Um Nolan's a good director. Nolan's a director that people like. And Denny Din mm -hmm. Villanueva makes really beautiful things that are really boring. I dis I would disagree with that. 100%. Did, did, did you uh, watch Arrival? Arrival is honestly, I won't say one of my favorite movies, but Arrival is an amazing movie. But it's boring. It's There's nothing boring about Arrival. And did you watch Blade Runner 2049? Yes, I really like that, but I could actually see why you would call that boring. Boring. I, I could, plus it's yeah, that's like I'm not a fan of the Blade Runner. Like I watched yeah. it in 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 like earnest. Like I'm gonna try and enjoy this, and I was bored mm. to tears. Um, yeah, he anyhow, also directed yeah. Sicario, uh, which again was like, great. Sicario's good. Like I like it. Don't get me wrong. S I Sicario. like Denny Villanueva, so I'm not really bashing him here. But yeah. like he's very deliberately paced. Yeah. Oh, I mean, there's nothing like slow about Sicario. So. I could like like you said, when you said something about prisoners, that's a movie you've told me about and I still haven't seen yet. 
Yeah, Prisoners is good, but it's a thriller, so it like it being slow and boring yeah, it's a different type, works yeah. for it. So yeah, yeah. I mean but, I'll give you Sicario. But But my yeah. overall point is, you know, we talk about in, with other things, people not speaking up. And yes, yeah. he is he he again, he's putting his mouth where, you know, his and, money is. And that, I'll put it that way. That I support. One hundred percent. I'm I'm behind him on that and, and I think that's great. And besides, you know, I have like I no, not just me, but we both have issues with a lot of these studios and movie companies screwing up some of our characters. So we'll, we'll get we're to that. Not, uh, uh, yeah. So <laughs> I mean, like, we didn't talk about Tim Drake last week. Um <clears throat> we're not gonna talk about John Kent maybe this week. Um so yeah, I don't know. I, um, I think that honestly, I I think and we'll probably need to talk about that. I think that's something that deserves its own podcast, but not for a specific show yeah. in the sense of not just talking about Titans or not just talking about Jonathan Kent, but how some of these studios and not just studios, but these companies I'll say are bastardizing characters for reasons other than making good stories. Correct. So, all right. So that's a perfect segue into our first story um speaking of trying to make more out of their universe so dc comics is uh coming to webtoons now you were you familiar with webtoons before i sent you this or webtoon uh, i guess the, is what it is so it's funny the when i first saw it you know the first thing i thought about was freedom tunes so not i've, okay. I've heard the name webtoon but i've never even I've never seen it. Okay. So. so Webtoon is owned by a South Korean internet company called Naver. Um, DC and Webtoon are going to collaborate for standalone web comics that will, quote, appeal to all fans without the need to know or read any previous stories, end quote, according to the companies. Um, so it, it's essentially like fan comics or not fan comics. It's, it's essentially just indie web comics. Um, it's very Korean. You know, like every everything on there is like drawn where characters are a little Asian looking. Um, you know, it's very LGBTQ friendly. It's very, you know, it's just it's for the place where people who don't buy comics might want to go and read comics. So I'm not mm -hmm. I'm not saying DC is is wrong for doing this. And, you know, um, I think this is just another way to get people more comfortable with digital and the. Uh, eventual you know stopping of the the comics publishing industry which will probably happen in the next 10 years um but the the thing where they say without the need to know or read previous stories so dc is operating under this thing right now called the multiverse where everything is canon and how are they doing with that uh, i mean you see i mean like tim tim drake is gay now um you know so <laughs> He's gonna get he's gonna get ice banned. He's gonna get put on the shelf. They're not yeah. gonna use him for another ten years. Like once this is once they run through all of this, or they're gonna kill him. Um, but I mean, Webtoon Webtoon is huge. It's got seventy two million active users, uh, ten million of which are here in the U.S. And you know the web That's comics monthly, right? Uh, monthly, yes. Sorry, monthly active. Um, yeah. and, and you know it's free. It's free to download on an app. Their web, their website. Actually, when I go to Webtoons to look at some of my some indie comics that I like, um, I typically like it doing it on my browser because it's 
I don't know. I just do. It's it's weird. I, I love reading comicsology on my tablet or my phone, but for whatever reason, I, I enjoy webtoons like on the on the computer. Um, like M- Miguel Carrera from Seven Robots, like he's put a bunch of their stuff up there, which we're probably going to talk to him at some point soon. So, um, but yeah, it, it's just one of those things where you know a typical like story on there webcomic is like 50 to 60 what they call episodes per season and you know it's like 50 to 70 total panels okay i, I don't mind the idea i think it's it, like you said that sounds like a cool way to introduce people to the idea of digital mm-hmm. a digital space for comics yeah the whole without the need to know or read any previous stories couple with they and they say two different people said mention that it will appeal to all fans yeah, uh, I mean that I, I think I, you know what would be great is if they kind of siphoned this off for the non-comic buying fan base yes where they can have their versions of the characters over there like think Tumblr yeah right <laughs> um, <laughs> and then let comics be for people who want to buy comics and support dc and support you know everything that they do um you know webtoons does have a paid model uh where you have to where you can if you i I think it's only through the app though um but the first one to three episodes are free and then three to five episodes are behind the paywall and they're available for 50 cents each okay so it's uh it's an interesting model. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, I think, not to get too uh, <laughs> Shang-Chi controversial here, I think it's a good experiment, and they'll get a lot of data points on how well people react to this kind of digital-first comic and this kind of digital-only storytelling. And then will they at some point decide to put some of this stuff into you know a, a trade paperback collection mm-hmm. yeah it'll it'll it will be interesting to see just because of and, and i'm i'm actually interested to check out the what the site itself like yeah. not necessarily for this but just i you know stuff like this that what i'm introduced to a lot of times you introduce me to some of this stuff and you like, oh, i've never heard of this let me check it out you're welcome <laughs> But. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely check this out. Um, I'm again, I, I understand why they're doing it. And I think it's actually a good kind of experiment. I don't think it's going to appeal to all fans, as they say. Yeah, absolutely not. It's not. It's not going to be an all fans kind of thing. So, um, but anyway, speaking of comics that uh, don't appeal to all fans, <laughs> uh, we had Nightwing eighty three come out this week um written by tom taylor penciled by bruno redondo and uh cyan Torm- Tormi. um anyway with inks by the same and colored by and dario lucas but um yeah so <laughs> tom taylor has been like going back at people who have complained about the end of this issue uh on twitter and it's like that's the thing it's like dude stop like like please stop doing this like, okay. if someone says something nice to you, I never see you respond and say thank you. I never see you respond and say, dude, that's awesome. Like, 
it's only if someone says something bad and then you tr- you say something horrible to them. Okay, I, look, I understand when you create something, it's very much a part of you, and you might be a little bit, you know, if, and and you know, it it might bug you or you know, if you people don't like it. However, with that being said, you're a professional. You should know. He, he's been writing how long? A decade, at least. How do you not understand this? I mean, and, and this is just stupidity. I mean, on, honestly, on a lot he's of probably been writing his whole life. Let's let's just yeah. be fair. Yeah. Um, Everybody is not going to like the stuff that you write. Everybody's not going to like the stuff that you create. And, you know, if they say that, and again, it's, it's a difference when people, you know, call people names like, oh, you're a dumb, dumb ass for doing this or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if somebody has, and again, a lot of these, and this is, this is the thing that they try to do. The, the few comments that are like that, they try to blanket everyone who doesn't like it like that. Again, yeah. we can go to Star Wars, any of this stuff. But for this, half of this, half of this issue I liked. The other half. Two, and again, two-thirds of this I'm, issue is, is just on par with how yeah. good Tom Taylor has been. And, and, and again. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and as being as not a Nightwing fan as much as you are, uh, you pretty much got me into this this initial this new run yeah. uh, what, when it first started. Well, I mean, this is the end of the first like story arc, right? The first. This yeah. is the first. The end of the first trade paperback, essentially. And, right. And I'm a fan. I bought page three from episode 82. I bought it. I'm going to get it framed. It's you, amazing. Is, okay. Okay, I was going to ask if it's, it hung, if you had it hung yet. No, well, no, I mean, I'm going to take it over to the place where I got the Cyclops and uh, everything else framed and, and get it, like, nice matte. I'm actually going to try and do, like, the blue, like, a, um, a black matte with, like, the blue line instead of, like, the yellow line that's in, like, Cyclops. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um... <laughs> So, so the 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 main issue is, is I'm not mad about this this issue, right? I am. I'm I'm surprised that he he used Nightwing as a mouthpiece for his agenda, mm-hmm. which he hasn't done yet. Like this is the first time he's really done that, and and it's like some of the stuff he says is definitely things that Dick Grayson believes and would do but on the other hand like when when he's talking about like well now i'm a billionaire and no one should have that much money this is a kid this is a man sorry who grew up with a billionaire who he never once questioned about hey why aren't you spending your money this way yeah right and, and it can be mm-hmm. argued that that bruce wayne wasted his fortune where he could have done a bunch of other stuff but the other thing too is a lot of his is like overly simplistic about like housing and, and, and mental health and things like that. And, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of like, I, if he was going like, you know, he was going to do this and I knew, I mean, I knew he was going to, Dick was going to use his money for a foundation and I almost would have guaranteed, I would, I actually would have almost bet my house. It was going to be named after Alfred. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> at, at, at the same time, like, it was just some of the stuff was a little out of character. Now, that being said, this is the only negative in the book. Mm-hmm. The only negative. And honestly, other than like some weirdness in the second issue, which we talked about like back when we reviewed the second um, Nightwing 80 or what was it? Uh, 79? 76? Or eight. No, it was, I don't know. 
Anyway, it was in the 70s. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, it would have been 70, 77. It was 78. Sorry. Um, other than, than the 1978, Nightwing 78, which had some issues. This is like the first kind of misstep he's taken. Um, but I will say this. There, is, there, there are two. Well, there's a splash page and then a page where Dick goes to Metropolis to talk to Superman. And I told you, like, it got weirdly dusty in my house when I was reading it. Mainly because one of my favorite relationships in all of DC Comics is Dick Grayson and Clark Kent. Yeah. And even as someone who, again, I'm... Grant, I've always been a Superman fan. Oh, like oh, over the years, I've read a lot of different Superman mm-hmm. comics here and there. I've never read an, until you know I've seen Nightwing. I've seen him when he was you know Robin, but I never read his Nightwing comics really until now. So I, I didn't have I don't have that same connection. And even I thought that was such a beautifully written and paneled scene of because he even mentions of well you're the one that you know gave me the name or gave me the idea yep. of the name Nightwing, and I just want to run this by you and. And then when Clark tells him, you know, I'm going to have to go away for a bit. I would really love you to watch out for Jonathan. Yeah. And I mean, that's just such beautiful writing. And it's not that the ending uh, trumps or like overshadows what comes before it is the fact that it comes at the end that it sticks with us a little bit more. Right. So for instance, if this happened in the beginning of the book and everything else happened, or if this happened in the middle of the book, if this would have been, if it would have been the beginning of the next issue where mm -hmm. like this issue could have ended where like, hello, I'm Dick Grayson fade to black. Right. Yeah. And then the next story arc kicks off with the, the, you know, Alfred, Pennyworth Bloodhaven Restoration Project. Like it hits way different. Now mm-hmm. I understand yeah. because they 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 didn't do that because there are one, two, three, four, four pages that they had to get to to get to that. Um <laughs> yeah. I mean to get to the end. And it's not all four pages of him talking, but at, at the same time, like, you know, it, there's there's payoff. You get the everyone reaching out to him. You get uh, Bruce giving him the call, and and you know that was great. And then you have, you know, Heartless um, <laughs> at the end. Yeah. But you know, it, it it's one of those things where it just it's just for the first time since he's been writing Nightwing, this was a, a self insertion that we have not necessarily seen, and and what it's weird. Oh, and what? Yeah, and one of the things I told you. Uh, and again, this was because I, I'm not as familiar with Dick Grayson and Nightwing is when I read this, read, read, read that I'm, I, I just kind of, you know, had that cocked eyebrow and I, I was, and I didn't want to put my prejudice in the sense of some of the virtue signaling that a lot of writers do on this. So I was, I, I thought to myself, if this, I wasn't sure if this was Dick Grayson, if all of this stuff he said was his character, because you have to differentiate. And this is where a lot of writers yeah. aren't able to do. They can't differentiate between themselves and the characters that they're writing. Okay. So again, and, though, I, I'm not going to call this a full virtue signal because I don't think mm-hmm. it is, Yeah, but I definitely think it is. It's a self-assert insertion of the writer in this case, Tom Taylor's political leanings. 
And again, yeah. that in itself is sorry. I'm just real quick. That in and of itself is not a problem. Like that's I expect to see some of that. But when it's so diametrically different from what the character has been as written by Tom Taylor, I'm not even talking about the history of the character by Tom Taylor, then yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, and and again, the, like you said, you you even said there were some things that he said it would definitely Dick Grayson. So I wouldn't put that. I, I would absolutely say some of this was a virtue signal, but it wasn't full on because like you said, if some of these things you, you could see Dick, Dick Grayson doing or Dick Grayson saying through Tom Taylor, then I don't have as much of a problem. It's just, like you said, it was overly simplistic and it reminded me of Falcon speed or, Captain Falcon speech at the end of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, where well, he goes I mean, on this diatribe. That was a hundred percent of virtue. Yeah, signal. and and again, I I think this one is done better because one, the lead up was better. You had six yes. issues of very strong, tight writing. Mm-hmm. When the Falcon and Winter Soldier was a mess from the start to finish, <laughs> it, it, it's a big uh, difference. But that, it just, that's that's the simplicity. That's being very kind, just yeah. calling it a mess. But, <laughs> but there was a simplicity of what Dick was saying. It reminded me of the simplicity of you know Sam Wilson saying "Do better." Yeah. You, okay. You know, so so just kind of I mean, yeah to wrap up right. This is a good issue. This is not a five star issue like last last month in no. the month before that. But like this is a three and a half star four star issue depending on the leeway you want to give there is again amazing art in this book there's a point where uh dick and blockbuster are fighting on a roof Mm. and blockbuster calls in a helicopter and they're like and they're like run and he's like i am running and they're like you're not running away and he goes uh no i'm running towards the helicopter that's my ride out (laughs) um and it is just it's beautifully like just not just the art, but the way this, the, the whole thing, the whole fight was plotted. Like, it was a great, this is a, this is an example of a symbiotic writing and mm. art team working together yes. to tell a story in a, in a sequential manner. And, this- like, if I were teaching a comic book class, like, I would use page, uh, what is this? Uh, page seven through page uh where does it get there through page 12 as like example a of how comic books should always be done yeah i was i was just going to say this is a perfect example of why people love comics it are that like you said that symbiotic relationship that synergistic relationship between author uh between the writer Mm -hmm. you know the artist the colorist the the anchor yeah all that stuff just working together to just in yeah. Pop. I mean, and look, I like we can disagree with Tom Taylor. We we can we can be disappointed in, in how he he closed this story arc out. You know, that doesn't take away anything from this arc. Anything from this no, being one right. of the, the this being the the best six issue Nightwing arc since Rebirth started. Mm-hmm. Plain and simple. Yeah. That- yeah, absolutely. That, so, and again, it doesn't even ruin the issue for me. No, uh, it didn't the ruin issue it for itself me for me. Like when I so rated it, it, it on Comicsology, I gave it four stars. Yeah, I, I would give it. I would give this a three and a half. Uh, again, it. Again, I, it, it just just by the, what I've seen throughout, it wasn't as strong as any of the you know the what came before it, but it 
like, I, don't get me wrong. This did not ruin it for me at all. Yeah. It was just one of those things where, and again, it was more for me because it just seemed off from the character that I've read in the last six issues. Not some of it, but again, I don't have that history of Dick Grayson, even from, you know, the last year or so. So let alone, you know, his massive history. So that's why I actually took a step back before making a judgment, just because I wasn't sure how much of this was the character versus the author. And again, even though like some of the stuff was a little bit over the top for me, I still really enjoyed it. And I thought this was a phenomenal you know, story arc. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. All right. Uh, so speaking of story arcs that weren't phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man. I, you know, I, I want to, I want to be positive about this. Um, so I, I'm, we're, we're going to get to what if episode two, what if T'Challa became a star Lord? That's the title of this episode, right? Mm-hmm. A Star Lord. Um, Matthew Chauncey, I don't think watched Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, and wh- whoever's the editor, as far as you know, story editor for continuity's sake, and just and I, again, we know it's a what if. However, mm-hmm. with that being said, you can't just say because this is a what if this happened this way when something so specific as a name, you can't just say, okay, because it's a, what if we can just sloppily, I will will tell you this. Matthew Chauncey is the story editor for what if. Well, Matthew Chauncey for the whole series of what if. So I'll just say this to, to quote Falcon do better. Yeah. Right. Uh, well, I mean, it's too late. It's all done. It's all in the can. So, like, maybe yeah. find a different story to not edit in your yeah. next role. Uh, yeah. So, I I like this. I actually I like. So, while we were why why you were just talking, I just thought of the the title for this episode. Is there such a thing as a Gary Stew? <laughs> we're gonna make it happen. All right. So this episode starts in 1988 when the Ravagers are sent to Earth by the Celestial Ego to retrieve his son, Peter Quill, but mistakenly abduct a young T'Challa from Wakanda who is not wearing a vibranium necklace. He joins them to explore the galaxy. 20 years later, T'Challa has become a famous galactic outlaw mercenary. See, that's not right. He's not an outlaw mercenary. He's a, you know... I don't even know. He he's he's like a god, you know, out there. He's Gary Stu. Yeah, and and they call him Star Lord. And so, like, did did T'Chaka get busy with Peter's mom, and that's just what she called all her little boys? Oh, you're my little Star Lords. <laughs> oh, I love you so much, my little Star Lords. And, and again, see, this is one of those things from the beginning. It seems like it's a small thing when he tells Cora. Uh, Korath, Korath, right? Yeah. The pursuer, yeah. He tells him his name is Star-Lord. Yeah. And I was like, what? Yeah. that's. It, it seems small, but that was important for things to come in this episode. Well, right, because he he's like, my name is T'Challa, but you might know me by another name, Star-Lord. And then Korath gets all like serious face. 
And then literally, like, it's fangirling where he's, like, fanning his hands at his face. And he's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. And he's, like, going to pass out. And, like, you know, um, it was so ridiculous. And then it just got worse from there. Yeah. Like. It, it just went downhill. And, like, he, he, he domesticated Thanos. Thanos the neutered, you mean? Uh, yeah. That's what I have to <laughs> Thanos the neutered. The, the, and, the, yeah. <sighs> so, again, I will say this. I still like the voice casting. And again, that's well, because most I, of the people, I mean, the voice casting is the MCU it, actors it is. for the most part. I mean, they got yeah, Josh Brolin. That's what, that was cool. Yeah. The action is good, again. It's not as I don't think it's as strong as what we saw in Captain was it Captain Carter, but yeah. it's still good. I I liked it. I did really like the idea of the heist because sure. you know we we did an episode mm-hmm. last year about heist films. Yep, and I love the play on the heist. And I love again. I just love how heist and you think something you think you know what's going on, and then the movie takes you back to what actually is happening. Yep, I like I did like that part. I yep. did. I, I really did. Yeah, and I mean, I had the whole triple cross thing, and you know that's yeah. always fun. So, so I, I I did enjoy that. So don't get me wrong; there were parts of this I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, n- the parts that I didn't enjoy really affected my viewing of this, and I thought it was a far inferior episode to what we got last week. Right? Yeah, one hundred percent. The first episode was really good. It was, uh, you know, it was just fun. Even though, like, you know, Steve was her Baymax, you know, and, and her, her basic mode of transportation everywhere they went. It was fun. And, and it was good. What? <laughs> that is, a, that's actually, that's a strong reference right there. I mean, it's like, I mean, she literally is holding on to him like Hero does to ride Baymax. Um, that I that is pretty accurate. But like in this one, like, like you know, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman, a hundred percent, right? But like, it was too much. It was just too much. I, I told you this is like the 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 Terry Crews like Black Lives Better thing, where like Peter Quill at the end of this is a goddamn janitor at a Dairy Queen. Yeah. And it's like it's Peter Quill, regardless of what happened, was a capable character. He 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 was he was a ravager. He survived on his own. He brought the Guardians of the Galaxy together. He kept them together. He create if if you know, he had not been overcome by emotion when he figured out that uh Gamora died. You go. No, oh, yeah. he would have figured out Gamora died in Infinity War. It would have been it would have been yeah. over right there. Yeah. So it was just this is yeah. What we say all the time, uh, not what we say all the time, but one of the things of poor writing uh, and ag- agenda and poor writing is when the only way you can build up one character is tearing down another character, right? And they do this. Captain Carter did not do that. They did not tear Steve Rogers down one bit. They actually made it where, like, regardless of the super soldier serum, Steve Rogers was going to find a way to be a hero. Yes. And 
that's actually what I was a little bit afraid of is that they were going to do that to him and make him kind of that useless in distress character instead of yeah, he what was they did. Be the I, damsel in address. Yes. Yes. And in this case, not only is in, in this, and the funny thing is you don't have to do this with T'Challa. T'Challa no. is a strong character, but what do they do? They neuter Thanos or Thanos. Well, uh, I think we, they we make, should call him Thanos. Because that was yeah. not Thanos. <laughs> that was that was his uh, his more effeminate younger brother, Thanos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they make Korath the scent for yeah. uh, T'Challa. The same with Drax. Is, yeah, the same with Drax. And and again, we, we saw what they did with Peter at the end. Yeah, and they you they, didn't need to do that. Yeah, they stole Jessica Rabbit's uh, gig and and gave that to <laughs> to Nebula. I guess you could also say she was uh, seven of nine. Uh, yeah. As talked about that on his. I thought yeah, Jessica I, I, Rabbit, but like when he said seven of nine, it's like, oh, yeah, she had the blonde hair, the little eyepiece that was covered by the blonde hair. And yeah, I get it. Um, And the other yeah. thing you you told when we talked about it, you said, and this is another one. They told us an awful lot about how great T'Challa was. They didn't show us an awful lot. Uh, we did not get to see one single thing about why he was great. Yeah. So, and then the other thing with uh, the collector, um, the dark elf knife, Mjolnir, Captain America shield, all sitting in his collection was just the most fan servicey, stupid, just unnecessary bit and, and, of anything. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it was it was unnecessary, and uh, again, this was one of those episodes where they didn't show restraint. Correct. So Matthew Chauncey, other than writing this episode and being the story editor on, uh, you know, this as a whole, has one other writing credit uh, called Three Below: Tales of Arcadia. Which is a Netflix series that I've never was, heard of. That is the uh, how do I say this? That was like the secondary tale from like a spin or an offshoot of what's it called? Troll Hunters. Is it okay? And yeah, and they ended up in the third. I think the last season of Troll Hunters, like the Tales of Arcadia, joined up with them or something like that. Okay, but. Yeah, that's where that's from. So I really liked Troll Hunters. Uh, I thought, yeah, Troll Hunters. Is here's really my problem. A lot of fun. When they first released it, they released 26 episodes all at once, mm -hmm. and I never got through it. <laughs> <laughs> I got through the first two seasons of it. So yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was story by teleplay by for eight episodes on Tales of Arcadia. So I, I asked you this question. And and I like when we were talking earlier in the week, and I want to know when did Marvel Comics in the MCU become the entry level job for Hollywood? I don't know. This is I can this tell. Is I, wild. I'll tell you exactly when it happened. Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel was, that the first? was the first movie where they had these directors who hadn't really done much of anything or anything. Uh, um anything of note really and they hadn't done any uh any action or 
big budget movies and things like that. And it was uh, Anna Bowden. Oh, wait, sorry. No. Yeah, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. And, you know, they were out of their depth. And we talked about this. This was a, it was a, it was a very immaturely written and shot movie. Yes. And absolutely. That is what we see. That's what happened with Black Widow. Um, that's what happened with Sylvie. That's what happened with Virtue Signal and the Neutered Soldier. And to be honest, like, if WandaVision hadn't been so outside of the box creative, I don't know if Jack Schaefer would have pulled that off because Jack Schaefer was part of the, the writing team on Black Widow. Mm-hmm. So I just I don't I don't know. I don't I don't understand why they've decided to dilute their product so much with people who have no no right. Now nah, let me rephrase that. Who have not earned their place to write some of these characters, you know? Um, like the comics is a big example too. Like, you know, it used to be you'd start off on like Booster Gold or like Beetle, <laughs> uh, um, you know, Blue Beetle. Or uh, in in uh, Marvel, you would be writing like a Moon Knight book or, you know, uh, Scorpio or Daredevil or not Daredevil, let me rephrase that, or like a Black Widow book, things like that. You would cut your teeth on that for like 12, 18, 24 issues, you know, and like you improve yourself and then you would move up and you're like, okay, you go from Black Widow to Daredevil or Avengers or something like that. And then, you know, Doctor Strange. And, and and now it's like they give these people like flagship books and they give them flagship movies and flagship shows. And, and yeah, I mean, you look at what you look at the first round of movies. We're talking Joe Johnston, John Favreau, Kenneth Branagh. That that's the first three, you know, not counting the Richard Linkletter or not. That's not right. Uh, not counting the Incredible Hulk, right? Um, mm-hmm. Was that Richard Linkletter? I'm sorry, I got up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, sorry, Lewis. Uh, Lewis Letter. Letterer. Thank or you. However, yeah. yeah. So, but I mean, he again. He's a he's a known quantity. Um, but of those three, you have John Favreau, who at that point was already a name who had done a bunch of great stuff. You had Kenneth Branagh, who is a fantastic director that people thoroughly enjoy and, 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 you know, we're excited about, you know, the Dutch angles and kind of, you know, whatever did not get people super hyped for Thor or as, as hype as they should have been. And then you had Joe Johnston with Captain America, the first Avenger, which is still, the most rewatchable Marvel movie ever made. Oh no, I wouldn't say no, that. No, I'll fight you. Uh, on it. I will fight you on it. We'll we'll, yeah. we'll 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 gee up. We'll we'll get in the ring, and I will fight you. Kumite. Yeah, <laughs> Bamo. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I mean, but then you go to like you have the Russos come in. You have James Gunn come in. Um, you know. Like, keep doing that. Like, like bring in that level of uh, of directors, right? Yeah. And look, I'm all. But, for, I'm, yeah. I'm the person. I'm all for you know taking chances on new talent. 
the thing is, when you have something this big, you don't just give a series to someone who hasn't like when like with Captain or Falcon and Winter Soldier, whatever you want to call it. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> someone who who has very, very little in the way with Malcolm of, Yes. Yeah. And, and again, you could tell it, it was it was it was very messy. Mm-hmm. And like when you mentioned Captain Marvel. That was one of the things we said after we watched this film. We're like, this movie would have been, this movie could have been good if you had a better director and the script wasn't shite because the script was terrible. I know people love the Joker, but I I think if Todd Phillips doesn't direct that, if you give that movie to somebody else, you don't get Todd Phillips trying to make a Martin Scorsese movie. You get Mm -hmm. someone, you know, you, you get David Fincher making a Joker movie. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. Anyway, (laughs) all right. So out of, uh, you know, just watch it. Like, the animation is really good. I like the animation. Like you said, the voice cast is great. But at the end of the day, this is like amateur hour at, at, at Disney Plus Marvel Studios. So the you know we you know the He-Man the new He-Man and the Masters of the Universe trailer came out a couple days or was it yesterday? You mean uh, Troll Hunters anyway, and the Masters this. of the Universe? Yes, that's what I was going to say. This reminded me just by the type of humor and the way the story went, it looked more like something like that aimed at kids than it did aimed at MCU fans. Uh, it's for kids, uh, you know. Um, He-Man definitely. All right, so let let's wrap this one up. So out of uh, Let's say five Gary Sues <laughs> or Gary Stews. What what do you give? Uh, I'll give it a two. A two. Like it's, I'm yeah. going. I'm going one and a half. And the only reason I'm giving it the one and a half is because the animation is so good and the voice cast was so good. Yeah, like yeah, two. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> the further away from this one I can get, the better. All right, let's move on. All right, so now to something we liked, uh, Heels, episode one, Kayfabe, uh, on Stars, directed by Peter Peter Siegel, Seagal, uh, written by Michael Waldron, uh, again the you know the the, the guy who's the showrunner for Sylvie. Um, <laughs> I, I refuse to call it Loki. It's it's anyway. That wasn't Loki. No. That wasn't Loki. All right. So uh, I'm just going to read the summary real quick because it's a sentence long. Two brothers and rivals, one a villain or a heel in professional wrestling, the other a hero or a face, play out scripted matches as they war over their late father's wrestling promotion and vie for national attention in a small small town, Georgia. Um, Yeah. So this is the Stephen Amell wrestling show that we were talking about. It's got Stephen Amell as Jack Spade, Alexander Ludwig from Vikings and um, Bad Boys for Life as Ace Spade, Allison Love (laughs) as Stacey Spade, Um, Mary McCormick. I was shocked. I didn't even realize Mary McCormick was in this as uh, Jack Spade's partner in crime, Willie Day. Um, You know, it's got uh, Kelly Berglund. Who she plays Crystal Tyler. If you guys watched the Goldberg, she was Ren, Barry's Gold uh, Barry Goldberg's girlfriend. Um, but then like James Harrison from the Steelers is on it, and he's really good. Uh <laughs> yeah. Chris, Chris yeah. Bauer, who plays Wild Bill Hancock. 
Chris Bauer is the quintessential that guy actor. Yep. Um, and then um, reoccurring right now, what we have is uh, James David Elliott as Tom Spade, who is the late father of Steve, of uh, Jack in Ace Spade. Uh, CM Punk is going to show up at some point as a character named Ricky Rabies with Bonnie Somerville as his valet, Vicky Rabies. So I'm <laughs> Ricky I'm, Rabies. R- Ricky and Vicky Rabies. Say that three That's times hilarious. fast, right? It's amazing. <laughs> um, I will say this. Like, Star, like, let's see. I think, was was Black Sales on Stars? Yes. Okay. Um, in the, the one, um, like not Da Vinci, was it Da Vinci? The one about Da Vinci or whatever. Uh, the, 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 yes, I think it is, which I want to, I actually might watch that. Cause I've been trying, I was, I was trying like to last see time if I had stars. Was it on, I was it on there? It. I didn't even look. Da Vinci's just, demons. Yeah. Um, Da Vinci, oh, no, that's not how you spell demon. Uh, let's see. I believe it is, or. It's either that or Showtime. Yeah, I don't remember. So, um, okay. Oh yeah, it was on Stars. So it might be on Stars. So, uh, so like Da Vinci's Demons was good. Black Sales, I understand, is good. I've still yet to watch it. And then Spartacus is one of my favorite shows of all time. Um, so when when there's something on Stars that hits that like piques my fancy, like I'm typically gonna really like it from just past experiences and while you know i say it all the time but you know the pilot is typically the worst episode of a show yeah um this was a it was a good pilot it did a really good job like setting the stage of the world um and there was a nice little payoff at the very end of the episode for where it's gonna go my 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 really and really my only issue with this show is there's no hero. Yeah, that's it. And and there might we might get one at some point, but there's and and this is just kind of a, a modern thing in in TV right now anyway, right? But there's just nobody to root for. And this is it's funny enough because this is a wrestling show. You have to have somebody to root for when you're watching wrestling or. You know what happens? The crowd gets disinterested. Right. And yeah, there are instances in real life where there aren't, aren't necessarily heroes in a relationship, like whatever it may be. However, when you and again, this this is where in a, in a writing standpoint, you have to be careful with that mm-hmm. because it, it comes across. It, it can come across as too nihilistic in the sense of all, all this over overt drama. Of, of both people being, you know, for lack of a better term, shit stains. And <laughs> see, I wouldn't call Jack a shit stain, but Jack well, is Jack is very authoritarian. Yeah, yeah, he, he is. He, he's a dick. He he is. Oh, he is yeah, not he's a dick. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and and when I say shit, that was just. Well, he, he is. Not, he's not a hero. No, I, I don't find myself rooting for him. Right, that's a problem. And however, and I don't to, think you're supposed to root for him. Yeah. Well, and and like you said, we need somebody to root for. Right. That we we do. It, it regardless of if if it's real life or not. This is a show just like Kayfabe that they do in here. Yeah. You need someone to root for. It f- 
for some reason. They, it's not necessarily they have to be the good guy. Mm-hmm. They have to have something for you to something redeem latch on to. Yeah, yeah. Like um, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Look, look at him for example. He was not a good guy, but he had that charisma. He had that special something that drew people in, and then it was over. And again, that was the best you know best time in wrestling back then with him and yeah some of the others. Yeah. Um, and I I still like I would have loved for this series to have started off with Ace as this just like really upstanding dude, right? And like mm-hmm. he was a hero inside and outside of the ring. Like everyone in town should love him. And you know, we get the scene in the gas station where the girl calls him out for always stealing stuff and then he just says the most horrific thing to her. And, you know, that's not okay. And, and you know, it would have been it would have been so much better if, like, you know, he was that star quarterback that everybody loved. And, like, he's working his way to try and earn his way to the big time. And instead he feels like he's owed the big time. Mm-hmm. It's, like, very yeah. – this is a very millennial story. That's very – and, and I feel like that's a lot of what we're getting in entertainment. The whole, I am owed this because I exist. Mm-hmm. Not that's I, I I didn't look at it like I that, but yeah, owed that's, this because and all right, th- that is not solely a millennial trait. That is a human trait, but like that I'm, is yeah. I'm blaming your generation because the age of the people who are writing and acting in these shows they are millennials, um, mm-hmm. and so you know I I think that's where storytelling is at the moment. I I think we're gonna look back at this time of storytelling and be like, hmm, what happened to the hero? <laughs> and how do we get the hero back? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, Kevin Smith is is right in the middle of Gen X, but he's writing and directing things for his millennial daughter to like. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I. But that being said, like, I'm all in to watch this. I'm I'm all in to see where this goes. Um, I think Steven is great in this role because he's playing Oliver Queen. <laughs> He's playing a very poor <laughs> Oliver Queen. Um, yeah. I, I I really liked his wife Stacy, played by Allison Love. I thought she she might be the person who I'm rooting for. <laughs> yeah, because she's like, dude, let me help. I know how to get things for cheaper. You're just some dumb hick wrestler. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, was it Crystal? Yeah, uh, like, Tyler. I, yeah, but is Crystal gonna like? I don't know if she's gonna stick around for the whole series or what. But yeah. So she could be, and again, see this here's is the here's, first here's my fear with Crystal is that they mm-hmm. like like they try and like do some sort of a love triangle, or she tries to get with um with um, Jack, you know, and break up, you know, just whatever to try and get ahead, which I don't think she's gonna do that, but she's also banging Ace already, so you know. Yeah. And she's his new valet. That's, that's, you know, they've made that very clear at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. but I, what I really want to see, and I'm like, I know it's coming because it was in one of the, like the promotional videos that they put out, is she can wrestle. Cause like, there's yeah, a, that's prom- what I'm, that's, there was a promotional yeah. video where she hit a Hurricane Rana on a dude in a parking lot. So, <laughs> it was hilarious. That was awesome. And they're both like, what? <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah. Again, th- this is the first episode. I like what I saw so far. Yeah, uh, I thought. Yeah, like you said, uh, you know, make the 
Oliver Queen joke, which is not too far off, but no. at the same time, I think uh, Amel does a great job. Ludwig does a good job playing, you know, playing his role. I think every, I think I, everybody I, who acted in this did a really good job. I was about to say, I, I'd like everybody in here. James Harrison uh, as Apocalypse. <laughs> right. And I'm like, I, I, don't I never thought that. I'd root for a Stealer who wasn't Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> and I still have a hard and, time I mean, rooting for him. <laughs> and and a couple of the others, you know, supporting wrestlers like the guy who is gonna qu- call it quits because you know he wants to do more for his family. So there is there are little nuggets of, you know, that they put in here that could really pay off. I don't know how if it's eight or ten episodes that we're gonna get, but they did set the set the table pretty nicely with this first episode. It was a little messy in parts, but again, like you you, you say that all the time. Yeah. Generally, the worst episode is going to be the pilot mm. because they're trying to build a world. They're trying to feel things out. So, you know, some of the, this criticism it would happen with almost any pilot that we see. Uh, Soups and Lolo, not, you know. Yeah. But, you know, that, that that's a little bit of a different story. Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Again, there are very few pilots that are like from start to finish, just excellent. Right. I, honestly, I mean, so, I think Supernatural is the uh the exception rather than the rule oh it's absolutely um, the exception but yeah i mean even pilots that i like like this one still like have it have a lot of issues mm. but the important thing is i think it sets the table for what we're going to see throughout this season and i think it does a good job at that yes i agree uh okay so out of five opening bells what do you give this one? Oh man i i I, just because I think it's going to, I, I like the nuggets that they gave us. I'm going to put it as a 3.5. I, I think it's more, it's closer to a three, mm-hmm. but I'm giving it a little boost just because I do like, there are a lot of, you know, juicy tidbits that they put out there that could be do that could lead this, just make this season take off. Okay. I'm going to go with a four actually. Um, I know I talked a little bit of shit about the episode, but all in, it has me hooked. It has me excited for more. I liked the cast. I like the actors. And I'm hoping that they give us that hero to root for. Um, And the nice thing is, is it started strong, but it can only go up from here. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. you know, like as a baseline episode, not bad at all. Not bad, not bad at, at all. all. No. So absolutely agree. All right, let's uh, let's let's move on to our 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 bittersweet final topic of the show. I can't believe they killed Superman in this episode. I know, right? <laughs> By the way, we're gonna spoil this. Um, if you haven't seen this, uh, pause and come back. Uh, wow. I mean. Dis- dismembering Jordan with heat vision. That was, I never thought I would see that on a CW show. Oh yeah. I mean, HBO max. <laughs> sure. But uh, by the way, this show, um, Warner brothers, uh, I think someone from Warner brothers might listen to this. Uh, HBO max original Superman and Lois seasons two through 10. Please make it happen. Get it off of the CW. All right, before we get into the episode, let's talk about the ratings. This was the lowest rated episode of the season. 
by far, by over 100,000 views. That is crazy. Um, it dropped 15% in the demo. It went from a one, uh, 0.13 to a 0.11. It dropped from a, uh, 733,000 to 622,000. Um, this was coming off. This is the second week after another five week break. Uh, the show season two comes back in the first quarter of 2022. So this is going to be a mid season show. Uh, I don't know if that's how it's going to be moving forward or not. It's kind of hard to get out of that unless they do like an eight episode season and then go and, you know, in the fall do, you know, 16, 18, 22, whatever. Uh, 15 episodes was the perfect length for this show. Yeah. There was not one filler episode. No. And that's, that's feel that's really nice to have when yeah. you, you have 15 episodes and yep. all of them are important to yep. the development of characters, so. plot and or both. Um, I thought this was a super powerful episode. Um, in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, it was... It wasn't the best episode of the season. You know? But it, it goes out on a super high note. It goes out with some feels. It goes out putting every single character's best foot forward. Which is... what Like what we were just talking about with heels. We know who we're rooting for in this show. We are rooting mm-hmm. for Clark. We are lo- rooting for Lois. We are... Rooting, I keep saying looting. We are looting John Henry Irons' weapons cache. No, we are rooting for John Henry Irons. We were rooting for Jonathan and Jordan and Sarah and Kyle and Lana. Like, this is great. And then we're rooting for Morgan Edge to fail. Yeah. You know? And I think we know who the bad guy is going to be next season based on who showed up at the very end of the season uh, episode. Yeah, that was interesting. I, I I was wondering how they were going to end it because I knew there had to be some type of, of teaser to give us yeah. get us through. I, I didn't think it was there had be to, there John had to be Henry a bit of a swerve. Yeah, I because for a second, you know, John Henry's talking to Lois, talking about how he has to leave, which I I did. There, were, I mean, again, there are several scenes in here that I, I absolutely loved and when John Henry's talking to Lois about how he has to leave and then, you know, he's with the family in, you know, in the house mm-hmm. and he's talking about, Hey, I got to go. Yeah. You know, and I'm thinking they can't end it there. There right. has to be something else. Right. Like, it's not like he's going to like go off like uh Bruce Banner in the Hulk and, uh, you know, walk from town to town, saving people <laughs> in his super suit. Uh, I did like, I did like the little, well, let's go back to the beginning of the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last episode ended with Clark going to look for Jordan and not being able to find him. And they're still trying to find Jordan. The people in Smallville are are rioting and <laughs> really upset with what's happening with uh, the DOD still being there and, and having invaded their town. And, um, you know, uh, Sarah gets help for for John and. Um, oh, John. Crap. Uh, um General Lane. General Lane. Thank you. Sam Lane. Um, and, you know, it, it just kind of it picked right up. The action was going. Um, they kind of regroup. Superman is is out looking for Jonathan or Jordan. Um, and in a way that, like, 
So in the Snyder Cut, when Superman dies and yells and it turns on the mother box, which was dumb, like he goes up there and he just yells for Jordan because he can't find him anywhere. Because Jordan isn't Jordan. He's Zeta Rowe at that point. And his dad's voice kind of kicks him back, like kind of reboots him a little bit, right? You're right. And then he gets there and like he's hugging him and he's like, oh, I'm so happy. And I thought maybe Zeta Rowe was going to like stay hidden. And like, you know, appear later in the episode. But no, like there was a great like SmackDown battle because obviously Clark isn't going to hit Jordan. And uh, Zeta is, you know, kind of talking crap to him and, and everything like that. And it was really good. And it was, again, Tyler, Tyler Hawkland, like, crushed it this season as Superman. And watching watching him have to, like, look at his son with a like as a villain but not but knowing it's not Jordan and having to hold back it was heartbreaking yeah and especially the last couple episodes we saw with him having to deal at the end of last week mm-hmm. where he has to come to Lois and tell her I couldn't find our son I looked I couldn't find him and just these some of these moments he's had and, and again I told you I, I I watched the uh the pilot again and th- this was like this in the in the pilot where he is trying to reach out to Jordan and he has no idea how to reach out and he's mm-hmm. like asked Lois he's like am I a bad father yeah and all throughout and you're right all throughout the season uh Hawkland has just done a phenomenal job he's been great he's been excellent as Clark Kent, mm-hmm. he's been excellent as Superman, but he has excelled as Clark Kent, father of Jonathan and Jordan. Clark Kent, that nerd. is where he Clark Kent, yeah, nerd dad, nerd dad. Yes, so. that is where. And again, we've talked about this like on air and off air. Both of us, that's our favorite portion. That's our favorite character. He's my favorite to- character of the show is when he's nerd dad. Now I will yeah. say this: Lois Lane, Elizabeth Turlock, Bitsy Turlock is the MVP of this show. Yeah. 100%. Lois is a badass in this episode. Like, oh, just, I, oh, absolutely. Just like going to bat for her family, going, standing up to her dad, uh, and then going into like, you know, Jordan's head to try and rescue him. And just the way she's like going through his mind. And then she's dealing with Zeta Rowe herself. And like, you know, she's in a precarious situation. John is guarding them. I mean, th- that that whole that whole like bit there was great. I loved it. I thought it was awesome with with the two of them trying to save Jordan, and then when Tal Rowe or Zeta Rowe, sorry, takes over and is like flies up and is holding Jonathan by the neck, and like you think he's gonna kill him, but like Lois is still in there fighting and fighting and fighting, and you know. When when she, I, I love that when she finds him, it's in the room from the pilot where he's yeah. tearing up the room and he's just like bent over, moaning and wailing and not licking his palms because he's not trying to get his ninth sick day from school. But that was funny. You were supposed to laugh at that Ferris Bueller joke. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> how dare you? You just got a how dare you for that. Um, <laughs> I wish you could hear that when I did that. That was the first one of the That's episode. So, I don't yeah. know. Anyway, um, 
but like it was it was such a great bookend from that amazing five minute open from the series. Um, I wonder if we unlock Jordan's flight. That's I was wondering that too, because yes, it's Zeta Rowe that you know lifts Jonathan up in the air, but it's Jordan that comes down, and they don't just fall. Because I thought down. I really thought they were going to crash to the ground, and like I did too. Honestly, they, they haven't done anything in here like mistakenly about his powers. So like I'm 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 kind of hoping it's unlocked a little more of his Kryptonianness. Yeah, and again, like when you mentioned how Lois is the MVP of this show and how great you know nerd dad Clark is, and you know the relationship between Jonathan and Jordan, even the relationship between Lois and her father, mm-hmm. and then you throw in John Henry. I said before, and what if bad writing and agenda writing is when you the only way you can you know pump up one character is bring another character down. Yep, this show does such a fabulous job of pumping up every character. No, no character in this show tears another character down. It's not like Supergirl where she was the bestest ever and Clark Superman was susceptible to being evil and able to be beaten down super easy, barely an inconvenience. Yeah, a jobber, basically. Yeah, Yeah, she totally, they totally jobbed him out. And, you know, that's not good storytelling. That didn't make Supergirl look cool. It made it actually made her no. look worse. And it actually is when Haley was like, I'm not watching this anymore. Well, um, that's where I was I was I was teetering on the edge anyway. But when that half that I remember watching that episode and I I said some expletives and I was like, I'm done. And I was done after that. So with with Edge in this episode as the eradicator, right? When he shows up in Smallville and he, you know, Fish essentially infects the six soldiers. That was so cool. I really enjoyed that. And, you know, John Henry was doing the best that he could. But, you know, the suit was, like, low on power. He didn't have the right weapons. Um, But then they all take off. And then Superman shows up, like, two seconds late. Yeah. I thought that was such a nice touch because, again, it didn't take away from anything. Nobody was a damsel in a dress. Nobody had to, you know, compromise in any way. And then they, you know, the Eradicator took the Kryptonians off to go do what they needed to do. And then we get, I got to say, I kind of hope they put the Superman symbol on the steel suit. And steel definitely needs a cape. And I want the helmet to look less like a bug. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But the, the kinetic hammer has worked so much better than I thought it was going to work as far as a as not just not being a MacGuffin, but like being an actual like powerful accessory that puts steel on par with Kryptonians. And then the teamwork between Steel and Superman is fantastic. And like John Henry's about to to sacrifice himself to to save, you know, the the man who killed his wife on his own planet's family. I yeah. mean that and is that was altruistic. That is that is an amazing motive for a character, and I like it's just so great. And then Superman saves him at the last second, which was amazing. Yeah. So I I there was a part of me that thought they were going to kill him there. I I again it's it's not like it was a game because it's a Game of Thrones type show, but. 
just based on his arc and what he's gone through. Uh, I, I think, and that's, we might have talked about this off air, but it was prime for him to make that type of sacrifice. Yeah. And I, I was, I was absolutely holding my breath when he was falling. I'm like, dude, I was like, soups, get him, please, get yeah. him, get someone him. get him. Like, you know, um, yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was great. I, Wally Parks is, is really, really good in this role. Um, I rewatched Premium Rush the other day, um, because I bought it. <laughs> um, <laughs> Because it's like I really wanted to watch it, and you know he he's so good in that um, as the bad guy, <laughs> or it's not the bad guy, but as like the romantic rival for JGL. Um, but yeah, it was it was it was really it was great. And then you know we get this end scene where they're they're all in the Kent kitchen, uh, or they out in the barn. I think they're in the kitchen. Yeah, they're in the kitchen. Yeah. And, and for whatever reason, he brought the AI in with him. Um, and they're like, John, a, a ship is, or, you know, an object is approaching. And they all go out to see what it is. And it's a ship that crashes. And out pops Natalie, his daughter. Now, here's my question. Is this Natalie from his Earth? I don't know. And she said dad. I will s- yeah. But. This is why I think she's going to be a villain. I don't think it's his Natalie. I, I honestly, it was funny because I, for a second, I thought it was another Kryptonian. And, and I might have raged with the I, show if it had been another Kryptonian. Yeah. And then I saw the writing on the side of it and I was like, okay, so who is this? And, it, and I didn't connect until she opened it. You know, it wasn't one of those things where I saw the writing. I was like, you know what? I bet it's his daughter. No, it was one of those things like, okay. It's not Kryptonian. Who is this? Okay, so I have a weird question. If Jordan hooks up with her, is that uh, incest? No, I would say I would say I, they I have the know. same mom. Dude, that's it's the same mom, just different, but from different universe. So if you're in a different universe, do you have the same DNA? Sometimes as your it's written backwards. You know, it's it there. There's lots of different ways that they've done it over the years. But like, is well, the dude, new love hey. triangle going to be between Jordan and his new girl, and then Natalie? Because he kind of like had a little crush on her from watching those videos. Jonathan, you mean? Jonathan, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, well, I mean, hey, Barry Allen, you know, got raised by raised with Iris, and now they're married and they have kids in the future. That's a little bit. But they're not blood okay related. With it. You know. I know it's, but it, but I would say they're more related than. Joe's Matt not only really okay with Jonathan. it. Joe encouraged it. Yeah, yeah, he did really. It's like, what that's, kind of sick bastard story. are you, Joe? <laughs> Joe West, <laughs> you sicko. Anyway, so um, yeah, I yeah. So and then and then the the best thing is Lara's in jail still, and Morgan Edge did not die. So yes. Morgan Edge. So we don't know the status of his powers. If he still has them or not, we don't know. Like, how great would it be if it opens up with the trial of Morgan Edge? Yeah, and I love that last. You know, the last line we get from him, mm-hmm. where it's like, "I just wanted, a, I just wanted a family." Yeah, and then Clark, you know, he has that, you know, disappointed, sad. Uh, you did. Yeah, we were brothers. And then Morgan Edge just like puts his head down yeah. after that. I know. I loved it because he was like, we were brothers. 
you were the chosen one. You were supposed to restore <laughs> the Kryptonians, not destroy them. And remember, I always have the high ground. It was super weird that he went full like Obi Wan on him, but yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it was it was a great moment, and you know, like it's gonna be great a great like kind of emotional foil for Clark moving forward, knowing that he has a brother and mm. how, how, how is he going to come to terms with Morgan edge and how is Morgan edge going to come to terms with what he did? And then ending with burying the sun, this, um, Jor-El sunstone like that was, yeah. was, it was nice. And I'm, I'm hopeful that this is not the last we've seen of Jor-El because I think Superman without a father figure in his life is, is kind of hard. Like you, it, it, yeah, it, it adds it adds resonance to his decision making and his uh, you know, his inner conflict and turmoil when he's got you know a, a dad figure to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, and, and I, I do want to go back to what you said about Morgan Edge not dying. It would have been so easy, and so many shows do that where they kill the villain. And there are a lot of times where I, I think to myself, that was a mistake. Mm-hmm. You don't need to do that. You And again, we I, t- I think I was telling you about that a lot, uh, the other day. I was like, why do these, these shows or whatever feel the need to kill characters? Yeah, I don't know. And this was a, does the great job of – because – like you said, there are a lot of open-ended questions mm-hmm. about Morgan Edge that we can still get answers to next season. Right. Right. So, and uh, the other thing we haven't, neither one of us has mentioned this, but I love the fact that Lana and Kyle get what they deserve from, you know, Kyle's yeah. back on the force. And again, it's, I think they are forgiving people, but for me, it would be a little bit tough to these people that I knew from all my life mm-hmm. and how easily they turned on me. Right. That, that, that would be tough to get over. Although, you know, if your town was half almost destroyed and everybody came together, that might help ease things a little bit. Yeah. But yeah. I, 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 I have to, and again, it's, it's, I'm only human. I, I would have a hard time, you know, just saying, Hey, all's forgiven mm-hmm. after you, you know, basically shunned me for something that I didn't do and something that you all were just as gung-ho about as I was. Right. Right. Cool. All right. Um, Let's say out of five Superman capes, what do you give this episode? So kind of like I bumped up heels a little bit for what could happen in the season. I'm going to bump this one up for what's happened in the past, kind of like the, you know, the, like they do in sports. Sometimes the award that somebody gets because of their past accomplishments, even though they might not have deserved it. Mm -hmm. I'm giving this a five out of five. I normally probably would have given this most likely a 4.25, but just by how it encaps just such a a powerful, strong, such a fun season. Mm -hmm. I'm giving it a five out of five. Uh, so I was going to ask about the season next. So, um, so out of five, I am going to go four and a half on this one. I'm I'm not going to give it the benefit of the bump up. Um, <laughs> only because I thought it was great. Um, 
I I thought there were some other episodes that were better this season. Oh, absolutely, yes. But that doesn't take away from this one. And I'm I'm not I'm not comparing this one to the other episodes in the season, but at the same time, it's uh it's one of those shows that I really really liked and it was a nice send-off for the first season that has enough for like crap what are they going to do next season now if they had announced it was going to be on hbo max i would have given it a five (laughs) anyway um okay so for the season out of 10 um lois lane mvp awards what do you what do you give it i give it a 9.5 i don't want to i don't want to hit that 10 uh, I didn't really have any issues with it. And I've to- I've said this before on multiple occasions. The thing that I love about this show is that other than Cobra Kai, this is the only show that made me like a kid on Christmas before I watched it. It's not saying it's, it's not saying it's the best show in right. the last couple of years that I watched. I'm just saying it's the only one of two shows that put, put that feeling on when I knew it was coming on Yeah, where I was just like, I couldn't wait to watch it. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go about a point lower with an 8.5 out of 10. Um, and I'm taking away points because of the... Uh, and this has nothing to do with the show, but because of the release schedule. Honestly, that I was thinking about that, like the release schedule. So I, 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 I this is the best superhero show since Smallville. Um, I was always a bigger fan of Smallville than I was of Arrow even though I think season two of Arrow is some of the best superhero storytelling that we've seen on TV. But yeah, yep. this is, this is great. Like I, I, like I told you, this scratches that Smallville itch while at the same time being its own thing, separating itself from the Arrowverse. Uh, the fact that they didn't bring in Batwoman or Supergirl or the legends, like, leans leans this to its own own place in time and and the the more that we can forget about the arrowverse i think the better this show will be and i look i know diggle was in an episode and they mentioned you know his wife and they mentioned you know uh what is that uh argus argus but hey i'm looking at this as another world i know the whole crisis you know cut these worlds down and it is but I liked how it's the best thing they can do for this show is leave it as itself. And the one thing I am very happy about is Supergirl is ending this year. So there's no chance of, well, don't you uh, say, it. say it. Don't, let me not say, it. don't I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to say anything. Don't, don't do it. <laughs> don't say. I will. I will just say the best thing they can do for this show is keep it in its own pocket universe. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. Leave it alone. Just don't, 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 CW. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Cool. All right. So on that note, if you go to the show notes and we didn't completely turn you off from Nightwing 83, there's a link to go buy it on Comixology. Uh, It'll help us out if you do. Um and there's also a link to the DC characters coming to web comic, uh, webtoons. Um, that is a very, it's a great read. It's on variety. So, I mean, it's from a real source and, 
not that other sources aren't real, I guess. But anyway, um, cool. Do you have uh, anything anything else you want to add? No, not yet. I'm trying to think if there's anything that we can look. Are we looking forward to anything next week? Um, I'm looking forward to not watching Shang Chi in two weeks or whenever. I think I think they might push it back again. Ooh, that's gonna be messed up. I don't know. All the toys are in clearance. I have zero interest in the oh. in the movie. But so. yeah, that's what it is. They it is. Oh yeah, we do. We've do. got that Witcher cartoon. Yes, the twenty third. Yes. So, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come back and we'll talk about that. We'll have the next episode of Heels. Um, but yeah, so I mean, there's plenty of stuff happening in the world. Yeah, yeah there's stuff. The the ScarJo the ScarJo uh, lawsuit drama is there. Um, anyway, um, so yeah, all right. On that note, thank you all for listening. Thank you, Daryl. We'll talk to you guys later. See you. Bye. This podcast is recorded in Kings Mills, Ohio, just north of Cincinnati. You can find new episodes every Sunday on Apple Podcast, YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcast, our website, or anywhere podcasts are downloaded. The show is hosted by Daryl Jasper and me, Brian Tudor. To find more information about the show, visit us at infamouspodcast.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Infamous Podcast to keep up with the show. We also have a Patreon page patreon.com slash infamous podcast we have some great rewards for our patrons and are looking for help to grow the show to bring you more of the content you want to hear music for this podcast is provided by michael henry from meetmichaelhenry.com so whenever you're listening to us have a great day night evening weekend whenever it is and we'll see you next time thanks for listening